Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today it's just you and me as I dig through a lot of mailbag questions. Thanks to everyone who submitted a question. I apologize for not getting to more. I think there's a time limit as to how long I like to hear myself talk. But I try to touch on a variety of topics and ones that clearly are important to a lot of you. Don't forget you can read my work on ESPN.com and you can watch a lot of my interviews on YouTube. Go to the Empire Media YouTube page and subscribe. It would help a lot. And you get a lot of other um, interviews there as well. If you like other teams like the Capitals, there's a good one by Steve Wino on there with Carl Alsner. I have a lot of my interviews posted there. So it's Empire Media YouTube, A-M-P-I-R-E. Before I begin, one quick note on a hot topic this week about how three head coaches were on the Washington staff in 2013. You might have heard that one. There's an assumption by too many that Washington could have kept them all. And I've, I've seen some who just tweeted out and say, hey, these guys are all together. And others say, how could they let these guys leave? Well, Kyle Shanahan wasn't staying once his dad was fired. I also recall a lot of fans at the time not liking him as a coordinator. I always thought he was very good. Matt LaFleur was a quarterback's coach. And while I liked him, I can tell you at that time, I don't think he was viewed as a lock future head coach. Um, He worked a lot on himself and his command of the room over the years, and he grew. But it took him going to Notre Dame, to Atlanta, to the Rams, to Tennessee to get to that point. Sean McVay they kept because he had ties to the Grudens who hired him for his first job. I know some say they should have fired Jay after his third year, but he had just won 17 games in two years. Under owner Dan Snyder, that kind of qualifies as a mini dynasty. I also heard at the time that Sean might not have taken the job this way. It's impossible to say for sure because it wasn't offered. But the timing was unfortunate. Another mediocre year by Gruden and the way it unfolded. And if McVay was still around, maybe it would have been different. Also keep in mind with the staff, they had with under under Mike Shanahan, they had three losing seasons out of four. Coaches don't get kept under that scenario. But it is unfortunate. Listen, there was a lot of offensive brain power with those staffs. Defensively, it was not the same kind of staff. Offensively, there was a lot of um, talented coaches, and we're seeing that now. Um, they, you know, so there you go. Now, on to your mail. Let's start with A underscore process. What are you hearing on Landon College for 22? Well, they definitely like him back. But yeah, I do believe the money will be a hangup. They consider him a dynamic player and someone who thrived in his new role. It's a role he'll almost assuredly be asked to play anywhere he goes. But I agree, it's a lot of money. He has a $16.2 million cap hit and an $11.25 million base salary. You can't pay him that kind of money for his current role. Keep in mind that if they find a middle linebacker, which they will look very hard to acquire, That means they have two outside linebackers in Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis. And they really liked how Holcomb plays outside when he's got a a middle linebacker with him. And they do like where they still think that Davis can develop outside. Um, So that means that Collins likely would be like a guy like Collins would alternate probably with a guy like Davis, not directly because not directly necessarily because they're different spots, but in who might play more in a game, what kind of package they might use. I do think it affords them greater defensive flexibility in schemes and packages, but it's hard to have a situation where you have a first rounder and an expensive safety splitting duties or time. If Davis and Holcomb are strong at the outside, it allows them to stay in their base packages more, which lessens the time for Collins. 
So if he stays, my sense is they need they would need to. My sense is there'd be either a restructuring or a pay cut. They'd save 6.6 million on the cap if he's released. It would be wise of them to find a way to make it work. He was very good and is a very smart player. I don't think you can do what he did and the role they asked him to play unless you are, are a smart player. At 12th man, I love what Ron Rivera did for team culture and competing week in, week out, but his player acquisition record is mixed. And he gives a bunch of examples like Bates, Curl, Carter, Thomas, Hits. Um, and then you throw McKissick in there. Um, a lot of misses at receiver Noel, Samuel, AGG, Brown, Charles, Ishmael, not delivering. How can player acquisition improve? Well, it's a mixed record. I agree. They've done an excellent job in building depth. So I think some of those guys like Wes Schweitzer, Cornelius Lucas, those are also depth along the line as well. Um, and trading for Eric Flowers, a good move. Cosme, we'll see. With Samuel, the issue wasn't the acquisition. He had a track record in Carolina. He's a good player. Now you can quibble on the price tag, but getting him was not a problem. I mean, that was not that was not a bad move. How much they paid, you can, again, debate, but that's always true with every free agent. The issue was hurting his groin and it never healing for whatever reason. AGG is a problem, a bad miss. Charles, I would not write off at all. He showed growth inside, and Ishmael was a fifth-round pick. If he develops into a capable backup, that's a good thing. And I do think that right now, I don't know that Charles may end up just to be a backup as well. And you would like to see him elevate to a starter. But if he becomes a quality backup, again, that helps their depth. And as we saw this year, depth on the line is hugely important. So the point is, in some cases, you still have to wait and see. Charles missed almost all of his rookie year because of injuries. Next year is a key one for him. Jamin Davis, yeah, go ahead and have at it. They did not evaluate him properly because they felt he could transition inside. In general, to improve in this area, you have to really listen to one another's concerns, front office coaches, and you can't get caught up in measurables as possibly was the case with Davis or with the story, the military background, et cetera. Um, and there's a lot to like with him there. And again, it's not to say he's not going to do well. One year does not define a player's career, especially when you're that age and that and a guy who only started one year in college. I still think he can become a solid outside linebacker for them. So the book is not over, but there was an error in how they some perceived them. And that's to your point. The key for player acquisition overall is being on that so-called same page with the players in the front office. I think this is a big year for this group because some of their top guys, as, as you know, as we all know, did not produce anywhere near the level anticipated. Two years ago, they hit on a lot, more so as much from depth signings, but also you know, I think the draft, um, Kyle Smith was here then it helped, but it wasn't just his doing this off season will be pivotal. I think that's where we'll get a better sense because if they go out and have a good off season, well, then you can feel better. If they don't, well, then there's a big issue. And I think it goes, like I said, players or the front office and coaches, they have to be honest about things, how, how they see guys. They have to have a plan for how they fit. You can throw William Jackson in there um, as well for how they see a guy and fitting him. And then, um, and then evaluating him properly. So, so it's a really hard one to answer. And I think, you know, to be honest, it's not a bad question to pose to um, someone in a future episode um, to see, to go into depth a little bit more on that. George Carmen, do you think Rivera and company are more likely to pursue a veteran quarterback or rookie QB in the draft? If they go the vet route, how do they avoid the tampering issue of showing interest in a player on another team? I believe it's much more likely that they swing big on a veteran, George. Rivera told us in a Zoom session, or asked us rather, would you guys be patient with me, meaning the media, if he gets a rookie? He knows it's year three. 
I think if they had won 10 games this year, maybe he'd feel more security to go take a rookie and, and go live through those uh, growing pains. The other key is that each one of these projected first round picks likely need a decent amount of time. They will take, and, and again, when, when I had Jordan Reed on um, last my last episode, go back and listen to that, he felt like each one of these rookies projected as first round picks would have been behind every one of those first round picks last year. So they, he viewed them all and compared to like Mac Jones and all that, who went 15, they all would have been between Mac Jones and the Davis Mills, Kyle Trask's of the world. So late first, second round, early third round type quarterbacks. So those guys take a little bit more time. I do think like if Kyle pick or can he pick it, can he pick it is there at 11 and they don't have a quarterback. I strongly believe they would probably take him, but you know, we'll, but we don't know. So let's dig back into this. The other key is um, they will take, well, let me go back. They will take a run at any of the big name quarterbacks they think might be available. Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and then one step down, Derek Carr. I think you'd throw Jimmy G on that list too, right? A, a notch below Carr. Watson and Wilson have no trade clauses, so they'd have to convince them to waive it to come here. I'll just say they have to do a hell of a sales job on Watson. I'm putting aside his off-field stuff for now, which is hard to do, but I'm trying to put this in a football context. I think they'd have to work very hard to convince Watson to trade to waive that no-trade clause here. Um, is it impossible? No, but I know at one point that was a was a strong no. Is it still there? I don't know. I think I think there's going to be a lot of conversations between with Rivera um, and and Watson's agent to try and get him to change his mind if that's the guy they would want to get. Not sure about Wilson, but they can try to sell him and I'm being the face of a rebrand and being close to home and close to New York City. Of course, the Giants are closer to New York City. They have two first round picks. So much of this depends on what coach goes where. For example, what if a coach goes to Chicago who does not want Justin Fields, but they can get Wilson who listed the Bears among his four desired teams last offseason or Watson. Keep this in mind. Washington tried to move up for Fields during the draft last April until the price was too rich. I know you didn't ask for all that, but there you go. As far as how they avoid tampering, they're allowed to call a team about a guy to see if he's available. If he somehow is, those teams typically will give them the okay to talk to the player to see about a deal if they need to get an extension. For example, in Carr's case or Jimmy Garoppolo's case, then um, you'd, you'd want to probably offer an extension if you're going to give up anything for them. Carr, you definitely want to do because it would, he would cost more um, to, to acquire, and he's in the last year of his deal as well. So that's when – that's like you can't go to the player and do that. You can't talk about a player – because that would be tampering. But if you talk to a team and ask if a guy's available, that's not tampering. And I go back to the Jimmy G because one reason why I would keep my eye on him, because he would not require the same compensation to, to, to be acquired, probably at most a second round pick, maybe a couple lower round picks, maybe a second and a fifth or something like that. Those are just guesses, but I don't think it would, I do not think it would require a first and I would not give up a first for him and the money would not be as prohibitive. So you get a guy that, that would be in that mid tier range who you can still build with. Um, and I think he can get you to a certain point. Can he get you, can he win you a Super Bowl? We got the Niners there a couple of years ago. And we'll see what continues this year. But anyways, just some guys to watch, but they will be targeting a lot of quarterbacks or at least investigating a lot of quarterbacks and then going from there. So, and then if there's, a, if there's a free agent that they want, whether it's a quarterback or someone else, 
typically what will happen is teams might call the agent and say, oh, hey, by the way, how is uh, Mitch Trubisky doing? Is he, is he feeling good? Is he, you know, whatever. That is code for we're going to talk soon about him. Just bringing a guy's name up. You don't have to say we want him. You don't have to say anything else. Just bringing his name up and agents typically, agents will know. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code KIME, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, Skins Universe 8. Do you believe they are satisfied with the current receiver group? All right. Um, yes, a bit more, but if, you know, I, do you think wide receivers on the radar as far as offseason upgrades? To me, it should still be on the radar as far as offseason upgrades. For them, they have a lot of confidence in Curtis Samuel and wrote off this year's just one bad year because of the soft tissue injuries. I know nobody here will feel good until they see him through an entire year relatively healthy. But this group has, and they're counting on it because, again, they've seen what he can do. With Diami, I think it's a leap of faith. Rivera admitted on my podcast last week that he often looks at things through rose-colored glasses. He's an optimist, and he says that. And I think that's partly why he's gotten to the point he has. I think it's why players also are attracted to him. With Brown, there were times when they felt he should have gotten more targets, but whether this was a line breakdown or something else, it didn't happen. What I liked, to be honest, was that in playing Gunner on special teams, he had to learn to play more physical at the line. And it also relies on you being competitive. And I saw traits of that when he was doing that. Those qualities can make him stronger at the line as a receiver. But again, we need to see it. And it goes beyond just that. I liked how on his catch against the Eagles, he had no fear going over the middle. It's something they liked about him in college too. So I think there's some reason, I don't want to say to be optimistic, but I think there's reasons to think that he should be better and can be better. Um, and, you know, so I think that's good. But to what level? I don't know, because we got to see it. And it, you know, we're not we're not building off a lot here. They have some interesting parts, but Adam Humphreys and Cam Sims and DeAndre Carter are pending free agents. I'm quite sure they'll bring a couple of those guys back. A guy like Humphreys will probably wait to will probably definitely want to know who's the quarterback because he doesn't have a lot of time left. And if he goes and signs another one year deal, you need numbers to get another deal after that. So I, I think I could see, and he even said that one reason he came here was because of Fitzpatrick. So I think he'd want to know who is the quarterback before he came back. And not that he's some superstar, but he was a quality player for them. And if those guys don't come back, it creates more holes. Personally, I'd still be on the lookout here, and I'm sure they'll bring in some guys, depending on what happens with those free agents. But Rivera does like what they potentially have with this group. Someone else asked me about tight ends too, and so I address it here. Logan Thomas's return will help, but the question I'd have with him is when will he return to form? After all, he tore his ACL in December. He also turns 31 in July. I like John Bates, especially as a blocker, but he's not a dynamic presence as a receiver. Ricky Seals-Jones is a pending free agent. Samus Reyes sh showed progress 
developing, considering never played, but I think we're still another year away from being him being much of a pass catching threat. So I'd look to add somebody here. Austin, and I would probably look for a younger guy in the draft, but Austin Hooper is a guy Rivera liked in the past a few years ago, and they offered him a deal. It was around $9 million per year. He signed with Cleveland for a few million more. Um, he has not lived up to his deal in Cleveland, and there's talk about his future with the Browns. Possibly could he be cut? He's a solid blocker and a solid target. He's not dynamic, but he can help if there are good targets on the outside. So he would be more of a complimentary piece than anything else. But considering that Logan Thomas is your primary guy, complimentary piece who can block is not a bad thing, depending on the price. Patty Sharp at John Shaw, 592-83957. Had to tell you. Two questions. Many think Sheriff is as good as gone. Um, I could see him wanting to stay and sign a long-term deal. Well, let's see. What odds do you have on him leaving? Also, Payne has to be a good trade asset for a quarterback package. My thoughts. Well, the odds are pretty high that, I, that Sheriff is gone. Nothing in the past two offseasons suggests a deal will get done, but who knows? Clearly, they liked him. They'd like him to stay, but for me, that's a lot of cash to pay a guard who misses four to five games a year, as good as he is. If you recall, I had mentioned on the podcast how they tried to make in the past, over the last year, how they tried to make him the highest paid guard in the league, something Martin Mayhew confirmed after the season. It didn't seem to move the needle much for negotiations. I don't think Sheriff, Sheriff dislikes it here. I have heard how much he likes the line coach, John Matsko, who's good with veterans. I do wonder if maybe he wants to play closer to Iowa. We'll see what happens. I mean, he says all the right things. They both say the right things. But again, I've never felt there was a point where they're like, oh, man, they were really close. So we'll see. As for Payne, I know their preference and desire is and, – and I like, going back to Sheriff, I mean, weird things happen all the time, and maybe they can convince him because now that franchise tag is not going to be an option. And that hindered the negotiations the past two years because they always knew this has – the starting point had to be $18 million not 15 or 16. Um, so we'll, we'll see there. But, um, you know, I know they would obviously love to have him. As for Payne, I know their preference and desire is to keep him. But I don't know what they do if, if, say, Seattle said that's who they wanted in addition to picks. My guess is a team like Seattle that would, if they trade Wilson, would be rebuilding. They would much rather have draft picks and not a tackle they'd have to pay big money to in the next year. As of now, there hasn't been any movement toward keeping settled. So I think toward Tim Settle. Payne offers more strength inside. So even if they kept that group, um, even, you know, if, even if he left, they kept that group, they'd have to replace Payne somehow. And to be honest, I would still go out and draft somebody because um, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep certainly Payne and Sweat and, and Young over the next few years. So I would, I would look to draft someone in the middle rounds, somebody with some strength inside. They don't have to be a great pass rusher. Just give me somebody who's strong like a – like, like I love Gallimore in Dallas, somebody like that who can who can help you inside with some with some size with some size and muscle. Um, Sum Murnama, and I apologize if I botched that name. Does Ron have the respect buy-in of key figures in the locker room? Chase Young seemed to be iffy on that front. Terry seemed to be all in. Well, we're not in the locker room anymore, so sometimes it's harder to take that pulse. One of the things lost to the pandemic. But I think by and large, he does have it. And in talking to people close to Chase, I believe he's on board too. He's just somewhat stubborn in how he wants to do things or a strong belief in the way he does things. But I've been told that he's receptive to what is said by Rivera. And like I said, and when I talk to people about him, like they, I, I don't think that, I think he's fine with Rivera. I haven't heard any issues that way. They do seem to talk a lot. Nothing is ever universal, but I don't sense a problem in this area overall. John Martin, um, 
Next, which rookie is going to make a second-year performance jump? I'd go for Cosme. I think he's going to lock down that right side of the line. It's a good choice, and if you heard Logan Paulson last week, I think he'd probably agree with you. I don't want to say I'd almost expect it, but I wouldn't be surprised because he's already starting and he showed flashes, with, especially in the run game. He was really good in the run game as the season developed. Clearly, there's more room for – you know he's got to work on the pass sets. There's no doubt. And clearly, there's more room for huge jumps from a guy like Jamie Davis or Brown. Both are talented. Brown could be helped by having a vet QB and a healthy Samuel. He has to show more. Davis played better on the outside and does a nice job in coverage, but he needs to become an impact player at some point. So your guess is probably fine. Um, the cursed Cursola. Is Washington prioritizing any of their own upcoming free agents? Yes, of course. I know they'd like to keep a lot of their players. I know they'd like to bring a lot of their players back, notably Bobby McCain at safety, J.D. McKissick at running back, and I believe a guy like DeAndre Carter. Rivera has mentioned Cam Sims too, and there's a few others. There's also Brennan Sheriff, of course. Discussed him earlier. I do think they'll get some others done before free agency. Not sure before free agency. I'm not sure how many, but yes, there is a prioritizing going on. Sam Murray, um, running back was an issue. This lead running back was an issue this year where there was tra transitional lumps, ball control injuries. Gibson's a good player, hasn't shown he is great. Do you think he can clean up his game? And do you think they look for someone else to split carries with? All right, I think Rivera was very, very encouraged by how the run game finished, led by Gibson. And he did develop. You're right. He has not shown yet that he can be great. I don't know that. I mean, how many teams have a great running back? I don't know that he needs to be great. I mean, some of the great running backs, Nick Chubb, um, Jonathan Taylor, they're not in the playoffs. So I don't know that it's great that you need. You need to be good. You need to be very good. And that would be helpful. I felt like that last game in New York was a terrific one for Gibson. It wasn't just because it was the Giants. Their defense wasn't bad, but, you know, it was a meaningless game. And we all know that. They wanted the season over a long time ago. I felt a lot of what happened in that game, though, was because of the traits Gibson showed, the patience, the vision. I think he's still developing. He had to learn to lower his shoulder while running it. He had to learn that he didn't have to avoid a hole if a defensive back was sitting there. They want him to run through them. I do like what he offers, but agree with your premise. I'd find another back as well. I felt like that was a shortcoming this year. J.D. McKissick will be the third down guy. Jared Patterson can help, but I'd also have to – I'd also – have another veteran with this group, um, just like last year, in case Gibson gets worn down or to avoid him doing so. I think there are people in Gibson's camp who wish they had kept Peyton Barber to help in that area. And so I think he'd probably be okay with that too. At this point, I think they'll I think they'll look for another back. I know last year that was a priority. I don't think they really filled it to the level they needed, but I don't know who or what level they're targeting at this point. More on that later. Last one, does Rivera need a winning season to keep his job? He was the right person for the franchise. When he took on the role, I'm not sure three losing seasons could be seen as progress. Well, I would agree that it would not be seen as progress at all. But what's the record when you say that? Eight, nine, four and 13, huge difference. If they crater, which I would not expect, then it should be, then it should be a strong topic. I mean, of course, and yeah, I could see a move. If it's around 500 and they have, say, a rookie starting quarterback who shows progress, but no, I don't think he loses job. However, he knows enough to know that a third losing season is never good for job security. I don't care if your owner is Dan Snyder or anybody else. That's why the idea of a start rookie starting quarterback would probably be his last option. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. I apologize if you got tired of hearing my voice, but I wanted to get as much to as much mail as I could. And it's always appreciated when you guys listen and download. Thank you very much. 
I'll be back with another one on Monday when I'll be going over the roster and some off-season questions with the Washington Post's Nikki Zavala. Talk to you next time.